Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. I trust you, Will. <laughs> I think she meant she doesn't trust Will shooting off fireworks, right? That's what we take it. Everybody take it that way? Okay, good. <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good morning. My name is Matt. I am a pastor here at Lighthouse. Um, Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. All right, yeah. Everybody got your uh, out-of-state fireworks bought? That was like 12 years ago, whatever. Like, you remember when they used to like out-of-state, Indiana had really strict laws, and so like out-of-state fireworks were like the thing, like you got to get them out-of-state. But the other thing, and this gets, maybe I'll see this on our message, like if you see the message today, but why is every fireworks stand the world's cheapest fireworks stand? They can't all be the world's cheapest. It's, it's impossible, so... Anyway, I had to get that off my chest. So, so let's, we talked about the past and the out-of-state fireworks and stuff. Do you remember this from the past? Does anybody remember Balloon Boy? Balloon Boy, this happened in 2009. Anybody, is that, that, if I say Balloon Boy, does that ring a bell? A couple of you raise your hand, yeah. Well, we have a video that, um, it's, a, it's from a news thing that, that this was on the news. So just watch this video, then we'll talk about it here. What you all see right there is an experimental aircraft that inside of which is a six-year-old boy who got into that aircraft not that long ago and accidentally launched it. It's hard to believe, but it is absolutely true. It's coming to us. Uh, this is the balloon. Uh, it is coming to us from KUSA. The chopper is taking pictures, and I believe this balloon, again, experimental with a six-year-old little boy whose parents have created this experimental balloon inside. It's about 10,000 feet up. That's the approximate height right now, traveling at pretty wicked speeds right there. This is in the area of Greeley, Colorado. Did that, anybody remember that now? So some of you do. So yeah, she said that happened near Greeley, Colorado. So Fort Collins, Colorado um, in 2009. So that, that balloon was created. There was a dad and he was an inventor. And so he wanted to in, create this balloon. They filled it with helium. Um, it was about 20, they said 20 feet in diameter. So that's, I don't know, that's eight feet, that's not quite eight feet, that's probably six feet, so I mean, it was big, you saw it there, um, about six feet high or so, a little bit taller than me, um, but, it, but it took off, they, they created in their backyard, and the balloon, supposedly the boy got in it and was up in the air. It was in the air for almost two hours. Um, it traveled about 60 miles, so for us, somewhere like between here and Fort Wayne, like that's about how far it would, tra it would travel. And again, it was, it was a big deal. It was a national news story. I don't know what, if that was CNN or whatever. Right at the very beginning, if you saw the clip, they cut out, they were talking about President Obama and they cut off the President of the United States to like show this story. Like it was a big deal. And I, I kind of remembered, I did some research on it, but I kind of remembered that. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. But anyway, so the balloon, the boy's in it, right? And it finally loses, it's filled with helium. So I don't know if it lost the helium, but it finally lost its lift. And it's, again, two hours later, 60 miles later, it lands in this field. And authorities are chasing this. And, and there's some videos of that, but they get up to this balloon, they get there and they open it up. 
and the boy's not in it. He's not in it. And so you think, oh, well, did he fall out or whatever? He did not. He's safe. The whole thing was a hoax. The whole thing was put on by the parents actually like, and they had some home videos that show it or whatever, but like let this thing go. And they're the ones that put out that like my, my six-year-old boy is in this balloon. And it was all just a big hoax for whatever reason. I don't know the reasons, maybe to get attention or whatever. But the world, I don't say the world, the United States, people were upset with this. They were upset. There was actually lawsuits. The dad actually spent time in jail because of this. So people, people were upset. And so I was thinking about like, people were upset because if you're like me, like you don't like to be tricked, right? You don't like to be, you don't like hoaxes. You want things to be real, don't you? Like that's how I am. I thought about this earlier. I know that I don't like to be tricked because when you go on Halloween, and you say, trick or treat? I don't want the trick, I want the treat. So I know I don't like to be tricked, right? So we, we as humans, we don't, we don't like to be tricked. And so that's what made people upset with this whole story is we don't, we don't wanna be tricked. We liked genuineness, we like honesty. And the thing is, God, he likes the same thing. He likes honesty, he likes the truth. Um, he likes the truth from us to him. And I was thinking about that, like there's times where I think I try to lie to God and, now, and now as I spoke, I'm like, you know, you really can't lie to God. Like he already knows it, right? I'll go through that and I try to like, even in a prayer, like, okay, God. I'm like, wait a minute, why am I even praying this? He knows the truth. So we can't really lie to God, but you know what? We can lie to each other, can't we? Anyone in, in, in here ever told a lie? everybody's hands will be in the air because everybody's done one because we're humans. We've all done that, right? But we're, but we're humans. But, but the point is, God doesn't like it when we're, when we're lying, when we lie, or when we're not, not even that, when we're not truthful. God doesn't like that. Um, and, and humans don't like that as well. Here's some scriptures. Colossians 3.9 says, do not lie to each other. That pretty much tells you, right? Don't lie to each other. Exodus 20, this is one of the 10 commandments. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. False testimony is lying. Don't lie to your neighbor. Um, this is Psalm 101. It says, um, no one who practices deceit, that's lying, will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. So those are strong words from God saying, hey, if you're gonna lie, right, deceit, if you're gonna lie, you won't get to stand in my house. You won't get to dwell in my house and be with me. So God doesn't like it when we, when we lie. The opposite of that would be, he likes it when we tell the truth and truth. And we, we talk a lot in, this, in, the, in scripture, truth in scripture, um, a lot of times is used as a promise. There's a lot of promises in scripture but that's a word that's used a lot as promise. Another word that is used in the Bible that talks about truth and promises is oath. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is oath. We are in a message series called Counterculture. 
the sermon that changed everything. And it's talking about the sermon is the Sermon on the Mount. It happens in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus just gets in front of people and I'm assuming thousands of people come to listen. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't going to just, hey, bring thousands and preach to them. They just kind of came to him and he did this. They're very um, pointed teachings from Jesus. Actually, my probably my favorite part of the Bible, just because it's direct teachings from Jesus. Um, so last week we were in this message series, Pastor Clint talked about um, salt and light, adding flavor to our world, where he talked about being the salt of the world and not losing our saltiness and, and taking our light and not putting it under a bowl. So if you missed that message, it was very powerful. Um, you can watch that online as well. But today we're going to continue on um, in, in that same scripture with Matthew chapter 5. Um, the I'll get to this in a minute after we're done, but we're in chapter five. We're starting in verses 27. We're going to go through 37. You can turn to your Bible there. But the, the headlines um, in mine are adultery, divorce, and oaths. And so we talk about the like, the pointed, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? But the, the direct teachings of Jesus, like that's pretty direct. He's going to talk about adultery and divorce and oaths, but, but we'll talk I'll read the scripture and then I'll kind of clarify some things, but that's where we are. Matthew chapter five, verse 27. I'll read out of my Bible instead of off my paper. Matthew 5, 27 says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you, causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Verse 31, it says, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And then the last part, it says oaths in my Bible here, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said um, to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill, the, fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And so the title of today's message is Oathkeeper, the Value of Keeping Our Promises. And I want to talk about, so, so it talks about adultery, it talks about divorce, but, but it's broader than that this morning. You can teach this scripture probably hundreds of different ways, but the way God told me um, to speak it this way was the oath part of that this morning. So when we talk about adultery when there when there's um, 
the, the adultery part, it's the oath of, of the marriage. And when it talks about divorce, like there has to be a marriage, so it's the, the oath part of it. God spoke this very clearly to me. It was actually on Monday night because I was really struggling, to be honest with you, with this message. I was not feeling very worthy to be able to preach this message because I was thinking the enemy kept bringing back up like all my past oaths that I, that I broke, that I have broken. Um, I haven't committed adultery, but the lustful part, like the, the enemy kept bringing back up lustful thoughts that I had. And so I felt very, I'm like, I can't preach this, God. And God said, no, this is not about the past. This is about moving forward. And so I want to encourage that. So don't, so the reason I say that is because if you've had a divorce, you, you don't just say, oh, this, I, I'm already broke. I, it's not about me. No, it's about moving forward. If you're not married at all, it's, you say, well, this doesn't, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not going to get divorced. I'm not even married. No, it's about moving forward. It's about what's ahead of us. So that's what I want to say. This, that's where this message is going. So I just wanted to kind of preface that. Does that make sense? And you'll see once we get into to what we're going to talk about. So it's just my warning. Don't tune out. Don't tune out. So let me pray. And then I have a couple points that I think that we can all learn um, from this message. Let me pray. So God... We just thank you. I thank you for, um, for speaking to me and just helping me and helping all of us to, um, to look forward in this. I just pause right now and, and say thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross. So all that yuck that, that is in the past can stay in the past. So I ask that, that your Holy Spirit just be present this morning, God, that you speak through me and that you use your word and use my words to move us forward, God. Just speak what you want this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first point that you can write down in your handout if you want, it says we should be an oath keeper because our word is important to God. Our word is important to God. So again, I kind of mentioned this before, but let's, let's, you're saying, well, how does, how does that relate to this scripture? Well, it's the two parts. It's the adultery part. There's the, it's the marriage part that is that, that vow or that oath. So when you do that, you've created this oath. And so we've created this oath with God. And he's saying, don't break that. It's important to me. Um, I thought of, of like wedding vows. Uh, my, next weekend I'm marrying my cousin, so I'm in the thick of like writing out the wedding stuff. But common wedding vows are um, to have and to hold, to love you and cherish you. And then a lot of them even say, I give you this promise. And so it's these, these vows, it's these oaths that we have made with God. And so that's what it's talking about, that like, let's not break these oaths. And so I know they use the, the realm of, of adultery and divorce, but it's bigger than that, it's an oath. Don't break an oath. It's important. How do we know it's important to God? Look what it says in his scripture. Verse 29 says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So God's saying, it's more important for you to keep your word than to have one of your eyes. Like if that's important. Like if, if, it, if this is causing you to break an oath, just get rid of it. 
Same thing he says with his hand too, right? If your right hand causes you to stumble, that stumble is if your right hand causes you to break an oath, then cut it off and get rid of it because it's gonna be better for you in the long run. That tells me keeping an oath, keeping our word is very important to God. So important that he says, it's more important than just get rid of your hand, get rid of your eye. In Numbers 30, verse two, it says, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. And, I, and those, those words were really highlighted to me that you must not break your word. You must do everything that you say that you're going to do. That's a strong word, must. You must do it. It's not an option. God is saying, do that. Don't break your oath. If you give your word, then do it. And so we, we keep need to keep our word. How do we look for examples of that? We look in scripture. This entire book is, is really a promise to us, right? It's all kinds of promises in here. There's some that I thought they're, they're, they're very familiar stories to us that I wanna highlight that are just examples of how God has kept his word with us. And if he's kept his word with us, then we can keep our word with him and we can keep our word with others. So here's an example, um, Moses and the Israelites. We're fairly familiar with that story, right? Moses was leading the Israelites and he led them out of Israel, out of slavery, and then into the promised land. They call it the promised land. God promises that. I mean, Exodus 5, it says this. It says, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you. It's a promise to God. God's saying, hey, I'm gonna take you out of being slavery or being slaves. And he did that. And then he, he even goes on two verses later, he says, I will bring you out or I'll bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Those are the ancestors. I've promised your ancestors this land and I will give, to, give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. He's promising that. And if we, we look on in scriptures, in the scripture, it happened. God brought them out. He said, I'm, I promised to bring you out of slavery. And he did. I promised you the promised land, which is filled with milk and honey. It's a land that's gonna be way better than the desert. Like I'm gonna promise that to you. And he, he fulfilled the promise. He gave them that land. God fulfills his promises. He fulfilled his promise to Noah on the ark. In Genesis 9, 11, it says, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of the flood or of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. That happened thousands of years ago. And guess what? There's never been a flood to destroy the earth. It rained a lot last weekend, didn't it? It rained an awful lot, but it still didn't destroy the earth. It's still there. It's a promise. It's a promise that God gives us and he has fulfilled that promise. God promised David, David and Goliath, David. Before David defeated Goliath, he had some promises from God. And here's some examples in 1 Samuel 16, 1. 
It says, I am sending you, Samuel, I'm sending you, Samuel, um, to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. That son is David. He's saying, Samuel, go to Jesse, that's David's dad, go to him and say, one of your sons is gonna be king. It's a promise that, that God is giving him, saying one of those is gonna be king. Later on in the same chapter, it says, then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. That's David, anoint David. Um, this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, or from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So now let's clarify this again. This is little David. This is before he defeats Goliath. He got a promise from God that he was gonna become the king. And he was anointed in that, saying, that's it, you're gonna be the king. Not yet, he didn't, he, wasn't, he didn't become king right there in that moment. He said, you're gonna be king. So then fast forward a little bit and what happens? David goes to defeat Goliath. He's going to battle with Goliath. I was not there obviously, but I would argue that there was a confidence because of that promise that David knew he couldn't be defeated. When he went up there with his slingshot and said, Goliath, he wasn't scared about dying. Why? Because God promised him he was gonna be king. That was a promise from God. And we all know the end of the story, he slays Goliath, right? And, and they defeat the, the um, not the Amalekites, Philistines. And later on, David then becomes king. God fulfills that promise. But if God would not have had that promise early on, I have a feeling David wouldn't, would have been a little more nervous in that, in that situation. But the point of all that is God has our back with this. God has our back. When he, he, he has promises for us and we can, we can use that same model when we make promises to others. Is it easy? Is it easy to keep an oath or to keep a promise? No. Like you said, I, I said, how many people have lied in life and not everybody was honest, but right? We would all raise our hands. In, in real life, we would all raise our hand. Why do I know this? Because we're humans. We're all humans and we're all sinners. And so we will all have broken oaths in our lives. It's hard. It's hard to make an oath. But when we have God on our side, it becomes easier. Here's an example from my life. It might sound like a silly example, but, but it really, it's true for me. So how many people, anybody going to the beach later today? Last service, there was a few people. Anybody going to, nobody's going to the beach here. Anybody like to go to the beach? Yeah, a lot of hands there, okay. I do not like to go to the beach. I don't like the beach. Um, beaches are too sandy. I don't like sand. I don't like sand. It gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. Then it's in your car forever. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. But I don't like the beach. I don't like sand. I'm not a real big fan of like just direct sunlight. I would say I'm not a fan of the sun, but it's, I like the sun, but like that's like just sit there and like, oh no, I need shade. I like shade. I like trees. So bottom line is I don't like the beach. These are all feelings that I have. That, that's how God made me. That's how God made me. Okay. But here's where the oath part comes in. I think God is protecting me because I know my eyes. If I go to the beach there are gonna be people at the beach that I don't need to see. And I'm beating around the bush. There are gonna be women at the beach that are in bathing suits that it's easy, would be easy for my eyes to look at. 
And so I think that's a protection from God to say, I get that. So I'm going to be on your side. You're not going to like the beach. And so that's one way that God protects me. Now, I'm not saying that's the only place and I'm not saying it happens for you. Go to the beach, be fine. There's other places too that my eyes can wander, but that's an example, one way of, of God protecting me. God will protect you. God is on your side. He wants you to keep oaths. To me, that's part of, of the removing the hand. Gouge your eye out. Gouge your eye out. My eye gouge, being gouged out is not liking the beach. And I have other ones too. It's not just that. God protect me as well. I shared this last service. But I had friends in my life that when I was around them, I was not a very good oath keeper, right? I was not a great oath keeper. Um, and God removed those friends from my life. Not in a harmful way, but one would move away to one lives in Indianapolis now and I don't see him very often. Another one, it was, I coached with them and so they got a job at a different school and I don't see him very often. And so it was painful. They were my friends. Like not getting to see them. Like there's times where in my heart, I'm like, oh, I miss them. But that's just one way that God is protecting me because they didn't make me a great oath keeper. Didn't make me keep my promises. Just God protecting. So when we mirror God, he helps us fulfill. There's a, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy 31, eight, it says, the Lord himself goes before you and be, will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Just like David. David had God's promise to him. And so he was not afraid of the Philistine and he defeated him. You can write this down. When keeping an oath gets hard, know that God is in your corner. So point one, we should be an oath keeper because our word is important to God. Point two, we should be an oath keeper because our word is important to others. I was real creative this week, wasn't I? Yeah, with my little statements. But our word is important to others. I'll share these scriptures with you in a second, but they really, there's certain things this week that really stuck out to me. This scripture, this, when in my headline, I don't know, it's 27 through whatever, but it's the part of my Bible that says adultery. It really is a convicting scripture that I go to a lot because when my eyes get wandering or whatever, I need to go to that and say, like, it, it helps me. Does that make sense? So I've read that scripture a lot, but this week there's some certain words that really stuck out to me and I'm like, oh, wow. And so I want to share that with you. That goes to this point, essentially. So in Matthew 5.28, it says, um, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that with her stuck out to me. I think it makes a little more sense moving on to verse 32. It says, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim, right? Of adultery, it makes her the victim and again, this has to do with adultery and this has to do with um, like sexual immorality. But if we think about it, it's the oath. It's that broken oath. When we break that oath, there the witness says, makes her the victim. It, it stuck out to me for the first time that, man, that affects somebody else. So if I commit adultery 
against my wife, it also makes her the victim. Like, I'm like, wow, that really affected me this week. And so again, we broaden that out. It doesn't have to be adultery. It's the oath. Think of the adultery being the oath. If we break an oath with somebody, not only does it affect me, it also affects that person. That's an added responsibility from us, but it's doable. But that really hit me this week. Don't break others. It affects them as well. Again, am I good at this? Not anywhere close. Not anywhere close. An example of my life when, I, when, I, when it really affected me. So when I was getting my master's degree, uh, there was like an internship that I was offered in the moment. And if you know me, some of you know me, some of you are going to go, oh, yeah. Like, I like to say yes. It's, it's hard for me to say no. Like, I say yes a lot. And so in that moment... She said, well, do you, the professor, like, well, do you want to do this internship? And I'm like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't I want to do this? It's going to be a good resume builder for me, right? I mean, I get in good with the, the professor that can then write recommendations and stuff like that for me. So it was going to be like, yeah, I'll do this. Well, then when I get in the middle of it, during that time of my life, it was super busy. I had just become an assistant principal we had kids at home, like I was still coaching while well, I was just leaving coaching, but like my life was just really busy. It was not a good time. I should have said no, but I didn't because I say yes. Well, fast forward, I, I'm doing this and it's an internship and I gave them my oath. I said, yeah, I'll do that. And then I didn't follow through. It didn't follow through at all. Like I ended up, there were tasks that I completed just like half-heartedly just to get them done. And there were some tasks that I just didn't even do at all. It did not fulfill my, my oath. And so something that, that could have been really good turned out bad, right? If I, if I would go to that professor and say, would you write me a recommendation? She's gonna be like, no way. You didn't fulfill your promise. You really want me, I'll write your recommendation. It's not gonna be a good one, you know? And so it's hard. Fulfilling a promise, it's hard. But there are three practical ways that I thought of that can help us. And the first one I kind of explained there, but it's practical ways to keep your word is don't overpromise. If, you're, if you like to say yes like me or it's hard to say no like me, this is a really important one. Don't overpromise. In that, in that situation, I overpromised and I couldn't fulfill my commitment, I couldn't fulfill that promise. In our scripture, Matthew 5, 37, it says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So it's okay to say yes. If you have the time and you have the know-how and all that, say yes to something. But if you don't, it's okay to say no. On the receiving end of those promises, I would rather somebody say no up front than for me to be like counting on them and then they don't show up or they don't fulfill their promise. That's hard. That's hard. Pastor Clint, I hear him talk about this a lot. He says, under promise and over deliver. Under promise and over deliver. 
So say no, like I'll use an example, I always use moving, like I always think of that. So moving, if, if somebody's moving and say, hey, would you help? If you really don't have that time, say no. But then all of a sudden something opens up or whatever, and oh, then you show up, they're gonna love that, right? Extra set of hands, they'll love it. But if you say it the other way, you say, yeah, I'll be there and you're not, and they're relying on you, that hurts, that hurts. So don't overpromise. Um, the next practical way to keep the word is to count the cost. I'll explain this here in a second, but count the cost. In Luke 14, it says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Like you want to get, a, there's the commitment. You're going to commit to building this tower. You're going to, that's your oath. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying the person began to build it and wasn't able to finish. So count the cost. Here's an example that I thought of. So the, the cost to the other person, the cost of breaking the oath, like you're more likely to keep an oath. Here's an example. So this past, I think it was last weekend, John Michael, a lot of you, you guys know John Michael. John Michael will play the guitar up here, but John Michael is, he's in a wheelchair. Um, he moved into a new house. And because he's in a chair, they needed a ramp built. And so Pastor Clint asked me, it's John Michael is Pastor Clint's son. He asked myself and Ron, um, a lot of you guys know Ron Betzer, he's sitting there in the back. I was gonna make him stand up and embarrass him, so... I won't make you stand up, but I just want to embarrass you. So thanks, Ron. But anyway, so Clint asked Ron and I, like, hey, would you help build this ramp? So before I said yes, like, I counted that cost. Like, the cost is this. John Michael can, could not build that ramp on his own, but yet he needed it. So that was an important to John Michael. So I was more likely to say yes and keep that oath there as compared to if Clint would have said, hey, John Michael wants you to do his dishes, right? And I know that's a kind of a goofy example, but I'm more likely, the cost is way more because does that make sense? Like the cost is a lot. It's important. The important cost to build that ramp is more important. John Michael can do his own dishes. He can do his own And so... The, that's the cost. Does that make sense? Count the cost. I, I am way more likely, I was in that moment, way more likely to keep my oath, to not bail out because the cost of building that ramp was a lot higher than if I would have promised and said, yeah, I'll, I'll come and do your dishes, but then I, I might've been more likely to bail out of that promise. Does that make sense? So that's what I mean by count the cost. Count the cost first. Here's another way to count the cost. I got reminded of this between services. So I knew somebody that has um, a mower that doesn't work. And we kind of, our family, we we're looking at getting like a new mower, mainly because I'm weird. I'm like, our mower, our mower still works. So you, you guys might be thinking, well, you're dumb to get a new mower because your mower still works. But it's kind of like we were getting rid of that mower and getting a new mower. And so the cost to me, I have this old mower. Well, I gave it to that person that needed the mower. So the cost to me wasn't that big. So I gave them the mower. Does that make sense? So I don't know if that makes sense. It got reminded me, but it, between services, and I brought it up because for that person, like the cost was very high to them. Like it was very meaningful to them. 
but the cost for me was pretty low. Does that make sense? So count the cost. The last thing, the last um, way to keep a promise is to bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet. If you make an oath, if you make a promise to somebody, fulfill that promise, whether you want to or not. And I thought about this too, that this will come up that um, sometimes you have to keep your promise even if something better comes up. Even if something better comes up, keep your promise. In Psalm 15, this is the Lord describing a righteous or blameless person. It would basically say this, a righteous person is one who keeps an oath even when it hurts. So if you say you're gonna be there, then be there. Even if it's raining, or even if you don't want to, even if you didn't get a good night's sleep, like get up and, I, I said, I always think of moving, but like if you promise somebody you're gonna move, then be there to help them move. Even if you don't want to, even if it's raining, even when it hurts, fulfill your promise. Fulfill your promise. So as we close here, Will and Becca and Emma are gonna come up and they're gonna sing a song. But I wanna kind of come back to this, like God keeps his promises with us. And I think because he keeps his promises with us, it becomes easier. I don't know if it doesn't become easier, that's not the right word. It becomes doable that we can keep our promises with other people because of his faithfulness to us, we can then mirror that faithfulness to others. And so this song talks a lot about faithfulness. And so as we enter into this, just I want you to think of that, that faithfulness kind of on a, on a two-way street. Think of the faithfulness that God has for us and the promises that he has kept with us. But then I also want us to think about the faithfulness that we can have and should have with others. It's through that same faithfulness. So I'm gonna pray. When we sing this, you guys can just sit. I encourage you to, to sing along. The words will be up on the screen, but you don't have to stand. Um, we will sit and then I will come up um, and we'll share another um, time of prayer. But let me do a quick prayer here um, and then we'll sing. So God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And so as we sing this right now, God, we just, we want you to speak to us and, and, and guide our faithfulness that you have for us to others in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.